Q&A. Um, I have a new habit I need to get into on Sunday mornings. I've not been doing very well at it, so I want you to go ahead and come up because um, our, our mission president, vice president are doing, have prepared what is called, um, is it you, Helen? Oh, you, you got a handoff. It's called a missions minute. We're supposed to do it every mo- Sunday morning during, and I forgot last week and nearly forgot this week, but me This is a reminder that we have mission books to read, and they're out in the foyer. We give the bulletin board. You take a book and you write down your name on the card and the date, and leave the card there, and then take it home, read the book, and when you get finished within two weeks, hopefully, you'll come back, pick up the card, and Great. And I think what we have three, three books this year. Okay, great. Um, I think in the world we live in now, especially with uh, social media is one of the things I think about. Some of the thoughts that we have up here need to stay there. What happens is they come out here or they come out here or here. I don't have a Facebook account, but my wife does and I know how to get into hers. (laughs) And it's not what, but I read about some of these rants and it's like, well, you can pretty much tell what's been going on in people's thought processes because it comes out. What we think about is important because what we think we become. We are all a product of our thoughts. We've all at one time or another, after asking a question of someone, maybe a parent or a friend or someone in authority over us or whomever, we've asked a question like, have you got a minute or could I talk to you? And we receive the response, also a question, what's on your mind? I remember going to my dad, he'd say, what's on your mind? So, in other words, what my dad was saying was, what have you been thinking about that brought you to this moment? What's been going on up here? A question that I was asked from time to time when I was a kid, usually by my mother, After I'd done something stupid, you know, one of those kinds of things they use as an example to explain why women live longer than men, (laughs) one of those kinds of things, the question my mom would ask was, what were you thinking? (laughs) And it usually had to do with some sort of bodily damage that had occurred in the aftermath of something like a green walnut fight. We had a big black walnut tree in our yard, well, in the side yard, actually. And, and you know, uh, they have a husk on them, and they fall off, and they're green first, and then they'll dry up. And you, Anyway, when they were green, my friend and I, it's kind of like a snowball fight, only with green walnuts. 
And most, you could take most hits, but I remember I got nailed right up here one time and I split my eye open and I put my collar up around my face because I knew mom would not be happy when she found out what I was doing. And she would ask me one of those questions. What were you thinking? Or um, we had a, we had a dairy cows and a loafing shed that had a peak on it like this and there was a huge paper wasp nest up there. Suffice it to say that this can be a fairly painful experience. We like to throw rocks at it. It can be a fairly painful experience unless you can run really fast. So, I would get asked that question, what were you thinking? And in response to my mom's question, I could have said, I guess I wasn't thinking, but the truth is, it's just that I was thinking it was just bad or wrong thinking. (laughs) You know, like, well, this would be fun. And we often, we often use that same kind of excuse for bad behavior. You know, the same way I excuse my stupid behavior when I was a kid by saying, I guess I just wasn't thinking. But the reality is, while we may not have thought it through and realized the consequences of our actions or words, we were thinking. We definitely were thinking. And most of us have had the experience of our thoughts wandering to places where they shouldn't go. Sometimes hurtful places or hateful places or lustful places but places we'd rather they not take us. And that's what happens when we allow our thoughts to control us. Not only do they wander to those places, but then they stay there. So let's take a couple of warnings from Jesus. It was during what we call in the scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus said this, this is in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 21 and 22, and this is from the New Living Translation. You've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And then a little farther along in that same chapter, verses 27 and 28, he said this. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So let's start by realizing that our thoughts are where it begins. Our thoughts are where it begins. Before something happens, we think about it happening. And, and, and again, we've all heard the excuse, well, I just wasn't thinking. Really? What does it say about us as people if our excuse is that, it, well, it just happened, that you have no control over your actions or your words or even your thoughts? So what Jesus was warning us about in these passages I read to you from the Sermon on the Mount wasn't the actions, but the beginning of the actions, where it all starts, the thought The thoughts behind the actions. See, our behavior, whether good or bad, starts here. 
Paul gives us a heads up in the book of Romans when he tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So how do we change our thoughts? And what should we change them to? Well, Paul offers a simple solution in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, where he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That's pretty good advice. And then the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, we who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Pretty good advice, too. So, so the first thing we need to understand about this thought process and making sure that they're moving in the right direction is that transformation actually starts with us. See, there has to be a a desire to change our thought life. If you're satisfied with where your thoughts take you, then you will never change how you think. And it doesn't matter if if the people around you want you to become less negative and more positive. Or it doesn't matter if God wants you to move away from sinful thoughts. Until you want it to happen, it won't happen. And Paul tells us we, are, we need then the help of God, the Holy Spirit, to make those kind of changes in our life. So, in order to get control of your thought life, you just need to stop thinking about those things. You know, the things we shouldn't be thinking about. Now, that sounds, sounds simple, but we know if you've ever tried that, it's not easy. An article in January 2004 edition of Psychology Today said this, trying hard not to think about something almost guarantees that it will pop up into your consciousness. Amen, we all say. We know that. We've all tried not to think about something, and we know it doesn't work. And that article goes on and explains the science behind all of this, which is interesting, but really not too helpful. Mark Twain said this, What a wee little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. All day long, the mill of his brain is grinding, and his thoughts, not those other things, are his history. How true. So, the solution is found in the advice that Paul offers us in the scripture that we read earlier today. And I'm going to read it again, just chapter 8, excuse me, verse 8 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Um... It starts with you and depends on God. But ultimately, God does his part and expects us to do our part. Because just in the day we live in, most of us are pretty familiar with computers, and most of us then are familiar with the idea of garbage in, garbage out. And that simply means that incorrect or poor 
incorrect or poor quality input will always produce faulty output. And that's true in our lives as well. And that can be tough because we watch, uh, of everything we watch, everything we listen to, the friends we make, the environments we choose to spend our time in will directly affect our thoughts. And so we have to choose what we watch and we have to choose what we're going to listen to and we have to choose to change our environment. We have to choose to do better. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Beware of what you set your mind on, for that you will surely become. And here's an even more well-known quote from Emerson. So a thought and you reap an action. So an act and you reap a habit. So a habit and you reap a character. So a character and you reap a destiny. And where did that all begin? With a thought in our mind. The King James Version of Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, a man, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the Apostle Peter gave this command, Prepare your mind for action. There's a lot of focus on what goes on up here. The Apostle Paul explained, You demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient. Christ. And if we're able to do that, that helps us stop it from reaching it. I love the verses where um, the writer of the psalm says, Oh Lord, put a guard over my mouth or my lips. I pray that. Paul also commanded, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in our text today, Paul commanded the Christians in Philippi to lift the level of their thinking. And so he says, these are the things that should dominate our thoughts. First of all, whatever is true. Whatever is true. Notice that this is at the beginning of Paul's list. And very often, we list the most important things first. Whatever is true. We live in a world where... Truth has become a subjective thing. You know, there's this idea of philosophy out there that there is no such thing as objective, absolute truth. Um, and so we tend to look, or a lot of people in our world tend to look for truth in other people, in the media, in organizations, none of whom are truthful. In fact, who contrive their own truth. And Paul sees the term truth as being grounded in God's holy word. It's not this subjective thing out there that, well, I go to Bob and say, hey, Bob, what's your truth? And my wife, too, and say, what's your truth? No, there's truth, and it comes from God and his holy word. He who created and sustains all things, seen and unseen, decides what is true and what is not. That's it. And in John 1, 14, John chapter 1, verse 14 and verse 17, it says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses. 
grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and then John 14, 6, Jesus answered, and many of us know this one well, I am the way the, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. So we find the truth in Jesus Christ and His word. That's the standard we judge by. Truth. So, and then Paul says, these, these are the things I want you to think about. Think of the truth. And the standard you judge that by is the word of Jesus Christ. He said, another thing that you need to think about is those things which are noble. Um, the Greek word means that which is dignified or worthy of respect. And dignity is defined as the quality or state of being worthy, honored, or esteemed. The problem is we're in a world where some things that should not be honored and esteemed are. You know what? Almost, you could probably say that all, all of these things that Paul lists that we should think about come back to the Word. That's what you judge, judge this. What's noble according to the Word of God? Then he says, think about the things that are right. Um, conformable to right, pertaining to right, or just. This word means just as well. And those are the things that are expected by the one who sets the rules and regulations by which man must live. The one, capital O. Okay? The things that are right are determined by the one who set the rules and regulations by which man must live. There it is again. Back to and, But we live in a fallen world. And so what is right or just depends on whose eyes one is looking for. For Paul, anything that conforms to God's standards is worthy of his, his approval of both the right So, whatever is right, according to the standard of Scripture, whatever is pure, free from defilement or impurity, it speaks to uprightness and integrity in our motives and actions. And again, we have a world that's twisted that. It comes back to God's standard. Whatever is lovely. Um, we need to look at and reflect on what is beautiful and pleasing. Again, in God's eyes, and we can see that in creation, in the arts, in the spiritual lives of people. I love this song, and um, not necessarily a Christian song, although I remember Richard Kaiser, when he was here playing the guitar a few years ago, played this number for us and said, you know what, I think this is the end of I think Louis Armstrong made a statement. It's called, What a Wonderful World. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and for you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright west day and the dark shape of night. And I think to myself, the colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky. 
are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself. Thank God there is still much that is lovely. Have you ever thought? I mean, Carol was showing pictures of Wow, what a what a just evidence of God's handiwork. You just can't miss it. And I thought, we live in a world under the Christian imagine what it would have been. Magnificent as it is, but there are still lovely things we're to think on those things. Admirable activities that make believers attractive and winsome, such as things that they should see in our lives. These are admirable things generosity, kindness, compassion, willingness to forgive, patience. Those things that we should seek to live out so that nothing bad might be found in a person's life to paint our witness and it's not that we strive to be well spoken of so that we might brag about how attractive or good this we are but our strive for a good reputation and good name for the security of our lives, not the power of God. Those things that are happening, think on those things that are excellent. These speak to virtue. That moral excellence that comes not from our own and our own efforts, but from adopting the mind of Christ. Again, our standard for virtue, what is virtue is on the And then uh, Paul kind of gives us a couple of broader terms. He says, talks about, you know, thinking about those things that are excellent, which they say, I guess the Greek root words are very, very simple. It's almost like he's repeating himself here. But um, praiseworthy, those things that are commendable. I, again, I'm, I think we run up against the fact that in our world we're com- we commend some things that should not be commended. And it goes back again to God's Word. Is, are these things that God would commend? Would, are these things that God would say? are good things. Are they truly praiseworthy? And as we think about those things that are excellent and praiseworthy, and you kind of have to be able to sort through stuff that's going on in our world to determine what that is. And I think God's Word gives us guidance on those things. And along with this other list that I've given you already, Paul adds these two kind of broader categories. Look for those things that are excellent. Look for those things that are praiseworthy. And think on them. Great, let's do that. But to do that, we have to prevent wrong thoughts from getting a foothold in our mind. Don't we? 
We have to prevent those things that we should be thinking about from getting a foothold. I know it's impossible for us to keep all bad thoughts from ever entering our mind. But we don't have to allow them to stay there. We don't want them camping out. So the old saying is true, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair, if you have it. Sorry, Bob. You're sitting right there in the front row. When bad thoughts enter our minds, thoughts that are opposite of the things that we have just looked at, we need to kick them out. Like birds, we need to shoo them away. So what do we do? First of all, we, we redirect our thoughts to those things that are good. Like we're driving, our thoughts are taking us this way, we know, uh-oh, we have to redirect. We have to turn, usually the other direction is what we need to do. One of the things like to, Satan likes to do is plant a wrong or a bad or an evil thought in our minds, then encourage us to run with that thought, to dwell on it. You know, it's the old thing about, sometimes we talk about taking a molehill and making it into a mountain. Well, that's kind of what Satan hopes will do with these these kinds of thoughts. And when these things enter our minds, we need to be able to redirect so that they cannot get a foothold and take us where we should not go. And this is something that requires a sensitivity and obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit because when you start down that road, the Holy Spirit's going to say, like my mother did, what are you thinking? It's that little bell that goes off in your head or that red flag, you know, that gets waved around. Uh Uh-oh. And we need to heed those things. And so, when that happens, we need to redirect our thoughts so that we don't end up allowing those thoughts to take us in the wrong direction. And in our text today... Paul gives a pretty extensive list of the kinds of thoughts that we can redirect to. Right? And one of the most effective ways to redirect is with the Word of God. Let Let me share with you Psalm 19. I love this Psalm. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. And it says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reason. We should tell that to our children. In keeping God's word, there is great reward. Oh, I'll be rich. I'll have everything I want. Listen, here's great reward. You don't find yourself in the muck and mire that disobedience to Scripture That's pretty great reward. Think of the trouble that people get themselves into the messes, the horrible situations, because of the sin in our life, in their lives. And if we're faithful to the Word of God, then it's great reward. 
It talks about knowing Jesus and experiencing life that's truly life. Yes. I think that's pretty rewarding, don't you? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man, how can anybody, keep their way pure by living according to your word? Verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not see you. Redirecting our thoughts. And then, the second thing we can do is reduce the evil that enters our mind. We need to try not, we need to try not to take into our minds things that are unhealthy, ungodly, immoral, unethical. That means we have to be careful about the things that we are reading, watching, listening to, surfing on the internet. As you well know, much of the media, TV, movies, music, books, magazines, social media, websites, many of them promote what is false, ignoble, impure, unlovely, detestable. Now, that's not to say that everything about TV, movies, news, books, magazines, social media, and websites is evil. But we need to be honest in our assessments of those things. We need to admit the need, need to admit the need to be discerning and selective. We've got to sort through that. Some of us need to go. So we need to be careful about what we allow into our minds. Because whatever is in our minds has an influence on it. Anyone who says that they can fill their minds with that which is evil without being affected by it is fooling himself or herself. that person may not be able to recognize the effect of those things immediately or overtly, but they are being affected nonetheless. Even if, you know, it may not result in action, but it can result in impacting our attitude or what we think in, in certain moments. You know, um, one of the things that... Um, we see I think about Romans chapter 12 where it says um, do not take your hand that's God's job that's my paraphrase but how many times do you see in television programs or movies or whatever somebody getting And I find myself thinking that, and so I see, see, I see what's going on in the world, and, and instead of thinking, God have mercy, God be gracious, I'm thinking,
what we allow to come into our minds gets stored there and it does have its effect. If what we allow in is good, then the effect is good. If what we allow in is bad, then the effect is bad. So let's keep in mind that we are products of our thoughts. Jesus said, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things. Out of the good things stored in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil. Charles Swindoll, kind of dealing with the subject, says, Thoughts form the thermostat which regulates what we accomplish in life. My body responds, responds and reacts to the input from my mind. If I feed it with doubt, worry, and discouragement, that is precisely the kind of day I will experience. If I adjust my thermostat forward to thoughts filled with vision, hope, and victory, I can count on that kind of day. You and I become what we think about. Happiness, like winning, is a matter of right thinking, not intelligence, age, or position. Our performance is directly related to the thoughts we deposit in the memory bank. And we can only draw on what we deposit. And we notice here then, as Paul ends this passage in, in verse 9, he ended with another promise of peace. He wrote, and the God of peace will be with you. And we want the God of peace to be with us. This is where it starts. And when, when looking at that entire verse, we notice that Paul was again challenging him to follow his own good example. Paul wrote, whatever you have learned or received or heard from you or seen, put that into practice. So Paul was telling them that this is what I do, and this is what you need to do too. So we need to think the right things. We need to practice the right things. And when we think the right things and do the right things, then we know the God of peace is with us. Isaiah wrote this wonderful promise. 20, uh, chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all who stop in faith. Father, I thought life had so much impact on, on our attitude. And we've had this great, great advice from Paul today. Here are the things that you need to think about. I know the world has all kinds of stuff that's ungodly, unholy, unhealthy. But here's what you need to think about. And, and I pray that we really will be sensitive to the voice and then obedient to the voice of your Holy Spirit so that when our thoughts begin going down the wrong pathway, you can warn us about those things and we'll, re- we'll redirect, we'll redirect to whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or crazy. Because our thought life is coming And Father, help us then to also be mindful of the importance of taking those steps, of avoiding those, that kind of evil that 
can fill our minds with the wrong things and cause us to have wrong attitudes. And we do pray for the work of your Holy Spirit in our, in our lives as we fight this battle, because it is. It's a battle for our minds. God knows that for sure, and we know that Satan understands that as well. That's why it is a we can see that we can have a So thank you for this time together today. Thank you for what you said to us in your day. May we be not just speak with the word